How is our time on social media impacting our life in Christ? Did you know the average social media user is spending about two and a half hours a day on social media? Don't you think that has some influence on Sonic? I would say so. We're going to talk about it this morning as we welcome Chris Martin to the studio. He has written The Wolf in Our Pockets. It's a new book. He is the content marketing editor at Moody Publishers and a social media marketing and communication consultant. And good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? Doing yeah, well. Doing good. Thanks for joining us today. Sure appreciate that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why you came up with this book. What happened or what, what really caused you to write it? Yeah, so I've been writing about social media and our relationship with it for a while now, for a number of years. And I've worked in social media and online content for Christian organizations for my whole career. And so I know this place very well, this sort of digital space and internet space really well as like a professional, as my job. But then also like a few years ago, I started studying it more from a sort of theoretical and sociological perspective, like and spiritual, like what's it doing to how we relate to each other? What's it doing to how we relate to our faith? Um, and so I started writing a newsletter about that a few years ago called Terms of Service. And then my first book on social media was born out of that just a year ago. I published a book called Terms of Service, which is meant to be sort of a mirror. Like, hey, what's what's our relationship with social media and what's it doing to us and how can we recover from that? This book was born out of feedback I got to terms from pastors and church leaders. And this was the most common feedback I got was, hey, this book's really helpful. This first one but we could really use something for ourselves as pastors and for the parents in our churches who feel like social media is discipling the people in their lives, their kids or their loved ones more than God's word is. Will you give us, will you write a resource on kind of how to lead and how to disciple when social media is the chief discipler of people we love and care about? And I said, I think you're exactly right, pastors. I think that's a huge need. And so I said, set out to write that book. And so this is really a response to a need that I heard loud and clear in the last couple of years. Uh-huh. So Chris, I want to kind of explore the the title of your book, The Wolf in Our Pockets. That's a really great title. <laughs> so how did you come up with that? And how is our phone like the wolf in our pocket? <laughs> I wish I could say it was some sort of profound thing. And, and perhaps it is, I don't know. But I um, I was thinking as I was coming up with the proposal and kind of planning out the table of contents. And I just, you know, I've written a few books now and two on social media. And when it's, when it's time to be in the planning phase, I just kind of stream of consciousness, write a few thousand words on like, you know, if I, what are all the thoughts I have just as I sit here today on a Saturday afternoon? And I'll just kind of uh, you know, word vomit onto a word document, everything that I can think of. <laughs> and this image that came coming, this image that kept coming back was, um, you know, this image of shepherds. Cause you know, I, I was writing this book for pastors mm-hmm. or church leaders and basically people who are discipling others as we all should be as Christians, but who maybe find themselves in a, in a formal discipling role of some kind. And we're, we're shepherds at pastors very specifically, but everyone who's discipling is a, is a shepherd, I think in some shape or fashion. And I was like, well, let's take that image a step further. What are shepherds doing outside of leading sheep? They're, they're batting away wolves. They're protecting against wolves. And so I had this idea that pastors and and church leaders are busy trying to shepherd the sheep. um, But what they don't realize is that their sheep are all carrying around little wolves in their pockets. And they they Mm. might, the pastor may be focused on batting away wolves with his staff uh, to keep wolves away. But what he doesn't realize is that the, sh- the sheep are all carrying wolves around. So honestly, I just kind of made that the title of the proposal as a sort of like tongue in cheek. I, 
titles, look, I work in publishing. I work for publishers, <laughs> for Moody Publishers. I know that, that titles aren't supposed to be cute and clever. That tends to not work. So I didn't expect the titling team because I didn't, I got to confirm the title, but I did not brainstorm a title for this. I did not expect them to keep my sort of tongue-in-cheek title that I came up with, but mm-hmm. they said they really liked it, so we went with it. But. Yeah, very cool. So, Chris, do you have a chapter in chapter three about build friendships? So how does that fit into the whole wolf in your pocket theme? Yeah. Um, you know, it's really easy. I think, I think our relationship with social media has sort of commodified friendships, like made them something that we trade or, or, or boast about or think is um, something more than it really is or, or perhaps looking at another way, less than it really is. I think the way we think about friendship has been warped by social media in a very like specific way in a very uh, you know practical way just look at like face Facebook friends LinkedIn connections we've we've commodified human connection and made it more about social clout in a lot of ways or how, how can I use these people to serve my ends um, rather than actually caring about and investing in people I think we we mistake clicks of affirmation, like people liking our content or sharing our Facebook posts, we mistake those things for acts of love. Like we start to, we start to cheapen real friendship love and start to see like, oh, like I can't tell you the number of times I have heard people be like, well, they didn't, they didn't wish me happy birthday on Facebook or they didn't Mm. like my Instagram photo. I mean, this is the Instagram thing is huge among teenagers, especially in college students that how quickly friends respond to um, an Instagram post and like it or comment on it is is genuinely a a marker of how close of a friend someone is. And so um, I just, I hate how, and I'm and sort of saddened by how social media has made friendship a, a commodity mm-hmm. and made it, kind of cheapened it. Um, and I think that one of the things we need to be considerate of as we're trying to disciple people and lead people in in an environment where social media is the chief discipler is that we need to totally re-engineer how we think about friendship and how the people we lead think about friendship away from a transactional thing and more toward a sacrificial Mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so important. And Chris, it kind of flows into what I've been thinking about and that is there is a new CDC uh, research article about the fact that Teenagers, teenage girls especially, mm-hmm. um, are sixty percent more likely to think about suicide than they were just even ten years ago. And just this, the sadness that our teen girls are experiencing has just really touched my heart. Thinking about it and wondering if social media has a role in how we view ourselves and our identity. And if maybe that is shaping how we feel about ourselves. And so what have you determined about that? Is that part of your, your book? Totally. So the, the newest CDC data isn't because it literally hit like two weeks before the book was on shelves. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I do talk about this a lot, especially in the chapter on anxiety. And I, I love that you brought this up, Deb, because it's, um, it's something that's really important to me. I work in student ministry at my local church. I've been serving in student ministry since I was a high schooler myself. So like this issue, this matter of teenagers and their relationship with social media is very important to me, not only because they're they're the power users of social media, but because it seems to be disproportionately affecting them. I mean, their brains are still forming and, and they are using it a lot, um, as, as are their parents. Let's be clear. We shouldn't relegate the matter of social media to the youth room. I think that's a big problem that we should address, that we've kind of like, oh, this is a young person problem. But I 
I do think it is a young person problem. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be avoided either. And Jonathan Haidt, I would I would commend. Um, he's he's not a believer, so don't go to your, don't go to him for your theology. But Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist at New York University, and he has been chasing and really like hunting and and pursuing data on the relationship between social media and the mental health of teen girls for like five or six years now. Um, and his book that he wrote with Greg Lukianoff, The Coddling of the American Mind, goes into this a little bit. Um, and they interact with Gene Twinge, who wrote a book called iGen a number of years ago. And so uh, Jonathan Haidt published an article just a couple of weeks ago about how he feels comfortable because for the longest time, social psychologists have had some trepidation to say social media use causes mental health problems because you got to be really careful to be, you, you need to be able to prove that you can show that there's a sort of cor- correlative relationship, a correlation between social media use and mental health issues. But as a social psychologist, as I read a number of them, what I've learned is they always have to be careful to say X causes Y unless they have really, really good data to back that up. And so Jonathan Haidt has always said, man, I really, really feel like social media use uh, increased social media use leads to increased mental illness among teen girls, but I can't. I don't feel like we have enough data to prove that yet. And now with this with this biannual youth risk behavior survey from the CDC, just a couple of weeks ago, Jonathan Haidt said, "Okay, I feel confident. I'll put my reputation on the line. We can now say that social media is a major cause of the mental health uh, crisis among teen girls." And so I would. If you just Google social media, mental health, teen girls, and Jonathan Haidt, uh, some combination of those words with his name, you'll find his article, and it's tremendous. It Mm -hmm. is super helpful, Um, and he's done a really good job. I mean, he's a professor. I think he does a really good job of taking all of this data and helping us understand what it practically means. But then it's up to us, because he's not a believer, to make some practical ministry application from that. Definitely. So, Chris, um, I was just hearing about some new Barna research that came out about um, our witness um, and how a lot of the people that are being exposed to Christianity are feeling that, especially on social media, that um, there's a lot of hypocrisy, uh, you know, and then we, we've had that issue, that stigma for a long time. Um, but I think social media is really blowing it up uh, because we can say on social media so loudly how we feel and feel negative about certain things but yet our lifestyles don't always match up to what we're spouting on social media. And I don't know if you have thought about that or addressed that at all, but I just find that that's so convicting for me. Totally. Um, I think one of the most like underestimated effects of social media, um, our relationship with social media is how, what we post, um, is really not reflective of, of who we maybe are offline. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this temptation to say online life isn't real life. I can't tell you the number of times I heard that. And I guess, like, I understand what that means looking at it one way. Um, however, like, what I've said to a lot of folks, and, it, and this is convicting to me, especially, like, I'm not exempt from this, is I think who we are online is a tr- is the tr- maybe the truest version of ourselves mm. because mm. we feel this sort of distance of like, I can feel real and raw because I'm not saying these things to people's faces. And we get this sort of like yeah. courage, I think a lot of times, this like keyboard warrior courage sitting behind a screen yeah. to say things that we would have that like our, our conviction and perhaps the spirit working in our hearts would make us too afraid to say to someone's face because we know they're wrong. We lose that filter. We lose that conviction. 
when we're doing it from a distance behind a screen. And we could be, we could be expressing a totally legitimate view about some controversial topic that we're very passionate about. But if we do that in a way that's not glorifying to God and that, that drags the name of Christ through the mud, frankly, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can't tell you the frustration that I've felt over the last 10 years or so as I've worked in these public spaces for Christian organizations, how many times I just want to grab people by the shoulders and say, look, I agree with you, but you have to stop. You yeah. have to stop. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think we need to guard ourselves against that. If we find ourselves in leadership positions, guard the people that we lead against that and recognize that you can say the right things very wrongly. And mm-hmm. we do that a lot and we need to Amen. be very careful about it. That's yeah. for sure. So Chris, what's next for us? And now that we have looked over some of the things that social media uh, influences in our life, I mean, what do we do next to really, I guess, guard against some of these pitfalls and also help our kids or uh, teens or young people through this? Or, yeah, how, what's the next step to really make sure that the influence isn't uh, all encompassing in our life? It's a good question. And, you know, when I speak to church groups or parent groups on this topic, you know, say, hey, you have an hour to speak. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk. I'm going to blab for like 15 minutes and then we're going to do 45 minutes of Q&A because all the, the matters of social media are just so specific and they can be so um, particular to people's life situation. But I think generally speaking, um, if I can give a little bit of advice, I, I think I think we have our, our social media relationship, like how we use social media goes sideways in two ways. Either we passively ignore social media and say, ah, it's not important. Like it's not real life. And what happens there doesn't matter. You know, that, that tends to be not to generalize, but this is true. It tends to be a more dominant mentality among older people who didn't grow up with social media and maybe see it as irrelevant. That is a, that's a view in churches and in Christian circles, but it's a, it's the minority view of social media, but it's, I think it is a wrong way to see it. The other way, which is the more common way, especially among most of us, is a lot of us just uncritically embrace social media. Some new app comes out or Instagram introduces some new feature that tracks our location at all times. We're like, oh man, I'm just going to adopt everything. Come on in. I want to try that new app. I want to try that new feature. And we just, we use it without thinking. And Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do moving forward, Deb, is we, we need to have it, I advocate for a sort of center way in this spectrum of, of, intentional engagement where I'm not Mm. saying like, I'm not anti-social media. I use it myself. I think there's tremendous good. However, we need to realize that social media is not a blank slate. It's not a neutral play. It's bent towards sin. It's made by sinful people and it exists in a sinful world. And so if we want to use the medium of social media at either for creating content or consuming content, we have to do so with our guard up and recognize that we have to take intentional steps to guard ourselves against all manner of temptation and sin, whether spouting Mm. foolishness or consuming foolishness. Mm. And we have to just be like, we can't just passively scroll, which is the most common way we all engage. And we can just get into all, uh, all kinds of foolishness by doing that. And so I just want to advocate for intentional engagement. And that's, that looks like safeguards and, and time restrictions and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are good thoughts. Yeah, I really like that. That's Chris Martin. And the uh, book is called the wolf in their pockets. It's a brand new Moody publisher release and hope you'll check that out of course you can also uh, go to another 
project of Chris's, and that is BibleToLife.com as well, where he's the editor and um, great topics on there and to make you think and to learn more about what Scripture has to say and how to apply it to your life. And we always appreciate you being on with us, Chris. Thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.